Ready? Nervous a little bit? No. Should we look there or act natural? You can look wherever you want. Okay. I would say, okay, so I, I usually have a small introduction where I say, welcome to the Monk with Braids podcast. I'm your host, the Monk with Braids or Lighthouse, whatever you like to call me. In this podcast, we bring inspiring guests that have even more inspiring stories. So today I have with me Jessica, who is a breast cancer survivor, a mental health advocate, just like me, actually, yes. and a oncology yoga practitioner is it oncology oncology yoga on, on, is it oncological yoga or just oncology oncology yeah i don't want to make I up know. words to yeah. be honest though so oncology yoga <laughs> all right hello and welcome to the monk with braids podcast i'm your host the monk with braids or lighthouse whatever you like to call me and in this podcast we bring inspiring people with even inspire even more inspiring stories today i have jessica who is a breast cancer survivor, a mental health advocate, just like me. And also she practices oncology yoga. She's an oncology yoga practitioner. So welcome to the podcast, Jessica. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Good. How's your day been? Amazing. So how has your schedule been now that it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month? I'm sure you're so busy right now. And what, I mean, you've, Ah, I don't even know where to start with this. So you've you've been on this journey for a while now yes. of um, not only obviously surviving breast cancer, which is a huge thing, but then also practicing yoga and becoming a practitioner and also just this mental health advocate journey. So I think let's just get straight into it. I'm a, I'm a very like, let's just get straight into <laughs> type of person. So yeah, tell me about your journey. Um... Tell me about where it all began for you. Not only with... Yeah, tell me about where it all began for you. It Honestly, everything became uh, into action, if you want to say, in 2020 after the explosion in Beirut. Uh, I had found a small lump and decided to check it, even though I was very young. I was 30 and uh, the, the cancer thought didn't even cross my mind. Mm. But I checked it and I figured out that I have cancer. Mm. Um, this is where everything turned upside down, technically. I had already quit my job. I was leaving the country. I was planning something totally different. But then I had to stay and get my treatment in Beirut. Uh, it was covered. I was alone. Mm. I had no family members. My mom was here. My sisters were out of the country. So all, all together was like you know, a different time. Yeah. So uh, it took me like half a day to a day to accept the fact that it's cancer. It's it's me. I can take control over it. And uh, throughout the journey that we're going to talk about, uh, I decided that it's the big C word that no one talks about. So I wanted to talk about it and be like, why do we hide when we have cancer? It's not contagious it's mm. about time that people know that if you find it early you can save your life so the more we talk about it the more people will live actually instead of hiding behind closed doors yeah and uh, after surviving it i actually during i discovered that going through it in a positive way helped me and may help others so i talked about positivity throughout it as well after it, I discovered mental health and I discovered that surviving is not the end of the road when it comes to cancer. There comes a lot of problems later on in life. Mm -hmm. You have uh, very dark ideas that will com come to your brain. You have uh, depression, you have suicidal thoughts, you have many things that arise. And I found out that, again, no one talks about this. No one talks about uh, what happens to ca a cancer patients. All the organizations are there to mm. support you during, and that's it. And this is how I became a mm. mental health activist and went into yoga and decided to shift to yoga for oncology and cancer patients. Yeah. Ah, In a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a yours or years and years yeah. worth journey put into like two minutes and i think you did such a great job and this is gonna be so great for my trailer because it's like everything in one but talk to me about the beginning like the first you t you said it took a day or two for you to accept like what was that like and uh, 
how com- I, I don't know if how comfortable do you feel sharing it first of sure, all of course but we should have got done we have tissues okay <laughs> yeah no this is <laughs> this is a very important point and uh, b- before before you even say anything i will say recently in the last year or two a lot of people i personally know and love have passed away from cancer and so and it all happened very suddenly it wasn't like oh like you know it was years worth it just happened yeah. so quickly in a month or two they find out and they're gone and so having this podcast with you is actually very special to me i will say that and i'm really grateful you're here because i think you'll be able to talk and about some things and answer some questions that i wish i could have asked the people in my life but i can't because they're not here anymore so i do really appreciate you being here before you even start but yes Thank please you. go on yeah uh that's a lot of pressure no i no, cannot no, no, answer not for everyone <laughs> but it's okay <laughs> can i take off my jacket it's of course so yeah. hot so you'll have half a post- podcast with a shirt half a podcast without a jacket no worries at all okay yeah so uh getting to know you have cancer is uh i don't want to say a slap to the face but it's like a reality check and uh it was honestly speaking it happened gradually which is why maybe I got to accept it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I told you, I was leaving the country, so I had already booked my ticket. I went to my uh, doctor and I was like, I feel alone. And we did some tests and he said, okay, let's do an MRI, ultrasound, uh, mm. mammogram and all of that. And as I got the result of the uh, MRI, I was told it was a Saturday, I remember. I was told everything's okay. You can just carry on and travel. My ticket was on Wednesday, the next week. No way. Yeah, exactly. And I wake up on Monday morning and my doctor is calling me. And I'm like, what happened? Mm. I pick up the phone and he's like, uh, can you come in? I'd like to do a biopsy. Oh, And my, my brain automatically went like, you know, the situation in Lebanon and doctors are sometimes not ethical. And yeah. it was the economic crisis where the Lebanese pound was uh, going down and the dollars uh, were going up. And so I was you thought like, it was just for money. Exactly. Uh, it was, it. I thought it was just an insurance procedure that he's going to cash out. And I called my mom and she said the same. And then I felt something deep inside of me and saying... You're here, you have insurance, go check it. Whether it's for money or not, it's better to get it out of your head. Yeah, why not? And I went and did it. Biopsies usually take a lot of time. <coughs> Sorry. I need to pull. <coughs> okay. <coughs> Sorry. No worries, here you go. I can cut all this. Yeah. Uh, I'm allergic. <laughs> so oh, what are you allergic to? Sometimes smells, I don't know, it could be any smell that triggers me. Okay. So let's see. I hope this will be it for now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So biopsies usually take a lot of time to get the result. But since I was traveling on Wednesday, mm-hmm. he called directly the doctor when I did it. And I kept calling, calling to follow up for the result. And at some point he said, you know what? It's better if you come and we call them together. And I was like, okay, I'm not stupid. You come and we call them together. It means there's something wrong. Yeah. And I remember going into his office and sitting in the reception area. And there's his receptionist who usually doesn't even smile at me. Never. And mm. I, he's been my doctor for the past 10 years. And, she, and that day I go in and she catches one of my curls. And she goes like, my God, I love your hair today. And she holds my hand. I'm oh. like, okay, <laughs> this is it. We're screwed. <laughs> you knew yeah. like instantly? instantly. You were like, yeah. yeah. Well, if, why would she be nice to me? To whoever she... that girl is. <laughs> why would you make it so obvious before you actually find out? I think she was trying, you know, she was dealing with it her own way. And yeah. Because she had to be there when he told me. Oh. So maybe it's her way of showing Of dealing uh, with it? Empathy. Damn. Yeah. So I went into his office and that in the back of my head. You know, I was alone. He was sitting there. She was sitting at the corner. Usually she sits next to him. So many things were like, 
you know, alarming. Yeah. And then, honestly, even though I had prepared for this in my head, the minute he said the word, you know how in movies everything goes down and, sh- and mm. you cannot hear anything. Mm. It was exactly like this. I can see them both moving, lips moving, all of that. But wow. I was gone. Somewhere. Right after he told you? you yeah, just you hearing the word cancer being said to you is... A feeling I hope no one has to yeah. deal with, of course. Because you hear so many people talk about how it's a thing that's affecting people like on a very mass scale, but you never think like you're going to be the one that has it. Exactly. And I'm sure that must have been so exactly. tough. And I hadn't had uh. anyone in the family who had cancer. I've never personally sat down and saw someone who has cancer. Yeah. I had so it wasn't like genetic. It wasn't like, oh, I have an Nothing. uncle that has it. You were 30. I was 30. That's insane. Nothing. I was fit. I used to go to the gym. I don't smoke. I drink barely once, twice uh, per week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't like an alcoholic or something. So, so many risk factors that are there of for cancer weren't even there. Mm. So I believe, and I always say this, I was lucky to have cancer. And wow. It's, okay. It's one of the things that changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. So once you kind of walk out of that doctor's appointment, everything is quiet, like you can't hear anything, but okay, you, you've walked out now. It took you a whole day and a, well, a day and a half is actually fairly quickly, yes. but it took you a day and a half to accept it. And then the journey of it, like, what was that like having to change your life drastically, having to... I want to know everything, like the little details of it and if you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, sure. Uh, honestly, leaving his office, uh, I shared this on my Instagram, actually. There are the parking stairs. I didn't want to take the elevator because I didn't want to be with anyone in the elevator, you know, yeah. going into an elevator with red eyes and sobbing like yeah. a kid. So I sat on the stairs. I, I couldn't even go down to my, my car. I sat on the stairs and I cried, cried, cried. And then I was like, okay. You have to leave the building at some point. And I drove my car. I don't know which road I even took home, back home. And then I reached home and I decided, okay, it's time I call my mom. And mm. this must have been the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. To tell your mom that yes. you, yeah. Overseas, like you're not telling someone face to face where you can, okay. Yeah. I, it was very hard. <laughs> But um, I think that it was the moment that I decided to call her and tell her, it hit me that, okay, this is me. I'm thankful that this is me. This is not my mom, because I don't know how I would have dealt with it if it was my Mm. mom, my sisters, anyone of my family. Mm. So that moment, my brain was like, okay, I'm a control freak. So if I'm in control of every single detail in my life, I can get the reins and get this into control and I think this is how I kept thinking for the next few days until my mom reached from Abu Dhabi to Lebanon and it was a bit different because I have support that uh, I'm forever grateful to her for the way she supported me throughout all of this of course yeah were you living by yourself at the time yes Okay, and then after you found out and you told her, like, did you end up living with your parents? Uh, I live in my parents' house mm-hmm. and my parents are divorced. My dad is lives in Lebanon and my mom, she lives here. Mm. And I live in my mom's house in Beirut. So when I knew I had cancer, knowing that it was COVID, we couldn't see anyone. And my mom and dad are not on speaking terms since the divorce. Mm. So it's barely in special occasions. So I called my dad. I remember calling my dad and saying, Dad, I'm coming and mom is with me. I'm coming to talk to you. And I hadn't told them I've done anything because it's it's something that I kept private uh, until I get the result because they worry a lot and I don't want 600 phone calls per day. What did you do? Did you eat? Did you, you know? So, and this is how I dealt with all the family. Uh, I went to all of my aunties. I went to all my family and I was like, sit down, we need to talk. Uh, I have cancer. 
before you do, do any reaction, I want you to know that I decided to deal with it in a positive way. I want you to cry right now. All you want to cry, cry it in front of me. Do whatever you want to do right now. Because after I don't need like any... I don't want any yeah. of this, yes. It was brutal of me to do this to them. I, I That's understand so savage. this now. Like you find someone that you love, like I know. having this thing and they're like, you know what, don't be sad for me. <laughs> Just be happy. I I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, you have to understand something. I I love my family regardless of everything. but I believe it, even yeah, after yeah. that. <laughs> I have a lot of, uh, they have a way of talking that sometimes can be, um, can affect you negatively. So, yeah. you know, when you're sick, first of all, the first phone calls I received from everyone I know was like, oh my God, auntie, I don't know who died of cancer. Uh, Mister, I don't know who died of cancer. I didn't receive any phone call that was like, it's okay, it's gonna be fine. Uh, my sister survived. All the phone calls I received was like, you know what? Oh, I don't know who died. Like, what kind of phone calls are those? Yeah. Like, what are you doing to the patient itself? Like, yeah. so this is why I was very brutal about it because I don't want this voice that comes like, hello, did you eat today? How are you feeling? Yeah. If you take, if you talk to a normal person like this, they will get depressed in three seconds. Yeah, Imagine for sure. talking to someone who's already fighting yeah. and. Honestly, I lost my partner because of this voice tone. I talked oh to, my God, I yeah. told you about this. And it's just, it was brutal. Now, when I survived and I look back to those days, I, I'm like, okay, maybe I dealt with it in a very serious kind of way. Yeah. But back then, this is what Jessica needed to survive. And I was willing to do anything it takes to survive. And yeah. I did it. So, I think... It's interesting because there's this idea of toxic positivity, right? Where like everyone says, if you have a negative thought, replace it with a positive thought. And so I think we've come to a society where people are just trying all the time to be positive and not accepting negative emotions. And so what we do is we invalidate negative emotions. We minimize negative emotions and basically make them feel like they have no right to be there. And that's actually a negative thing. And it affects people negatively. But you're saying that even through a negative experience, you found that the only way for you to get through it, or maybe not the only way, but the way for you to get through it in a way that felt comfortable to you is for you and everyone around you to be as positive as possible and just pretend like everything is normal. And how do you think that impacted you did you have to deal with negative emotions later yes. on? Because uh, I can imagine you're being positive. You're being so positive. But obviously, there's this thing that you just can't, like, avoid, right? It's there. Yes. And at the time, like, what was it like when you were like, okay, everything is positive. People are positive now, but I still have this thing. Yeah, it's... Honestly speaking, I, I talk about it all the time. Like, there's nothing called positivity 24 7 yeah we're not humans if we're happy all the time there's yeah. something wrong if we're happy and you don't time. want to be it's unnatural yeah. yeah so during the journey the reason why mainly i did what i did is because i am somehow of an introvert i've lived most of my life i just like my alone time mm. especially in my family so when i did this it's and I'm happy that I lived it through with my mother is because she understands that about me. She understands that if we're sitting right now and we're just watching TV and all my family, they make fun of me of my and my mother because, you know, those uh, uh, Hallmark movies about mm -hmm. Christmas. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're called. Hallmark. I don't know. Yeah. The, you know the Christmas, the very cheesy Christmas movies yeah. where like the plot a night before is exactly Christmas, the same, like The exactly. Grinch, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, the yeah. plot is no those romance movies where she she flew uh, flies on an airplane and they fall in love and oh yeah, okay, you know the, those yeah, very yeah. Uh, chick flick movies. Yeah. So we have a habit, her and I, of to sitting together, together and watch them oh. and just you know you, your brain disconnects. Yeah. And this is what she used to do with me. We used to sit there on the sofa if I want to talk. I have someone to talk to. If I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk. If I want to go sit in my room all by myself, she knows that it's not because I don't want to talk to her. It's mm. because I just need this. And what I did is 
push them to give me my normal life because I didn't want to feel like I was sick. I knew that this is a chapter and it's gonna end. So if I face it like this is a normal face, it's gonna go. And dealing with the emotions, yes, I dealt with them later on harder than during the process. But I believe that throughout the process, I had no other choice. Mm. It was either I uh, submit to the fact that, okay, I have cancer. Mm. And I get depressed. Or I say, okay, I have cancer. I'm gonna end this. I'm gonna do this. Yes, I had days when I come home from chemotherapy and I'm completely drained. I'm a vegetable. But there were days where I finished chemo and I drive my car back. My mom would oh, let me. Oh, wow. There were days where I would uh, take my laptop with me and study something online. There were wow. days. Uh, the more I felt normal, the more I dealt with it. At the same time, I had these points where I was like, okay, fine, music on, dancing in the house, exercising at home. I had a mini gym. I did everything. And there were moments where I would go into the shower and cry for one hour and a half mm. with running water and blasting music. It was my day, uh, my way of dealing with it. Yeah. So it's not always butterflies and rainbows, but it's not always negative. So we have to find mm. the balance. I can imagine like it became it obviously it's like a huge part of your life right and it and it and having it for so long as well how how long was your chemo for i started by the end of 2020 until the beginning of 2022 almost one year and a half okay and then after like after all of this happens you've you've finished chemo what happens then? Like, this has become <laughs> such a big part of your life, right? Like, yeah. you've had this for so... I'll tell you what, even when... So, I have a background of having depression, having anxiety, um, drug addiction. Like, those are my three things yeah. and the th things I really suffered with. But then, there was a moment and period in my life where I was going through the whole rehab process and I was letting go and, and, and quitting and everything. But then, at some point, you're like what now exactly right like when you're going through all of this you have all these people supporting you through whatever you're going through for me it was drug addiction for you cancer and then after you're like you've gone through it then it's like what now yeah. and i'm sure it became such a big part of your identity at the time but then you're forming a new identity right after or did you lose any like did you have the same identity did you lose identity like this is such a dark question Oh, okay. wow. Okay, no, that's good. Oh, it's good. <laughs> that's okay. very good. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> you're tiptoeing. I'm tiptoeing because I'm like, I don't know if I want to. I, I hope nothing I say is offensive. No, no. But, oh, yeah, sorry. No, I, well, with me, there's nothing offensive. I don't know if people watching this will be like, how does she talk about this? I hope not. I love everyone. Yeah. Please do not cancel me. <laughs> Please don't cancel me. No, I just no, started podcasting. This is uh, good awareness. I think that if people are not talking about this, they should because these are your feelings and this is what you need to address. Yeah. If you compress them, it means that later on they're going to Because I want everyone you. that is going to go through it, like really sorry and unfortunate. Yeah. I'm so sorry for that. Um, to know what it's like. Thank you. But then also I want people that have already gone through it to be like, oh my God, I felt that. It was me. So... That's why I am asking, please don't cancel me. <laughs> we can continue now. You know, this is one of the very main reasons I spoke up about it on Instagram. And really? Everywhere because okay, so I'm right yeah, on spot. Let's you're, go. You are on spot because when, especially when you're 30 and you get diagnosed with cancer and you go online and you search for people who are young and they have cancer, you have zero expectations. Mm. What's going to happen? What's, what's a surgery? How will I look? What will happen? All of that. So when I found out that no one's talking about it and I needed this information, it means that, unfortunately, again, someone else my age or even younger is going to get this cancer and he's going to yeah. go online or she's going to go online. And, and there'll be nothing there. Exactly. So let's let there be whatever they're going to find. Let it be something positive and encourage them that this is going to end rather than it being uh, uh, Wikipedia answers yeah. of cancer. Yeah. Uh, circling back to your identity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, personally, I fought a lot with this idea. Uh, I was fortunate enough not to lose a big part of my body in the surgery, but yet 
I lost a part of me, whether being it uh, a piece of my skin, mm. being it a piece of my femininity, my hair, my my body, mm. uh, the way I look, the way I feel when I look in the mirror. So many things do change. Like I have this, uh, I have post on Instagram where I scribbled a tornado mm. and I said, now what? Yeah. And it haunts me. It still does. Yeah. Because you lost. I say that that Jessica died with the di cancer diagnosis. Wow. She's gone. Okay. Uh, someone else comes through. You like, you know how you have many stages in your life. And uh, this is going to sound funny. Uh, you know how in games you can choose the player. Yeah. And I feel like I was given a deck of players and I picked the fighter. And I picked like this warrior person. I love person. that. Yeah. Yes. And this is who I became for those two years. And when the fight was over, I was given the deck all over again. And I don't know who I am anymore. I'm not the old Jessica. I'm not the fighter Jessica. There's nothing to fight for. And who I am right now. Who am I? And wow. That's so insane. Like it's, It is. Yeah. Like identity can be changed and you can choose what you want your identity to be yeah. before we go on to how you had to lose your previous identity to create a new one and what that new one was like how does someone create a new identity oh <laughs> it came with a lot of down moments honestly and it was in the depth of bad depression that I decided that, okay, um, this is not something everybody knows, but around New Year last year, I was in a very dark place. I yeah. was, I reached the place where I was suicidal, where mm. I've never had those thoughts yeah. in my life. You know, everybody I think has suicidal thoughts, but they're like, minor like you're driving in traffic and uh, it's okay what happens if i hit the car in front yeah. of me you know the, we have intrusive thoughts yeah but when the thought comes to you when you're there in your bed and it's an action thought this is where your brain is like Haha, what just happened you know yeah. and i'm lucky enough to say that i was able to control those thoughts and like you're almost struggling not to do something yes it was like wow. you know it was a call from my body to go and action on oh my god doing it and it was it was frightening moment and this is where i was like okay hold up wow. there's something seriously wrong going on and i need to figure out and this was, was last year this new year wow yeah. after you've gone through everything after everything was finished i think it was Many factors, like I was in a country where I had so little friends and people I know. Mm. I didn't find a like-minded people or my circle here. I was, I lost a lot of people during my cancer journey, which life showed me that not everyone is always around you. People are there just for the fun Jessica. They're not there for the fighter Jessica that was there. Yeah. And it was uh, a very stressful job. It was, you know, everything all together the now what who am i yeah it was many things i was dealing with i was experimenting with my hair i was trying to solve who i am with dyeing my hair cutting my hair uh, you know you, you go to some length that you think you're helping yourself and it was at that moment that i was like okay hold up we remove all the layers you know so i started layer by layer and I went to my stepdad. I work with my family, as I told you. And I went to my stepdad on 1-1-2023. One, one, and I was like, you know what? I quit. And since this is a family business, uh, I still love the family business. I cannot say no. I'm grateful for the past two years. Mm. But it was about time that I found myself. So I told him, I am going to give you the longest, uh, what do you call it? Quitting period, notice period. Notice period. I yeah. have till 2024, 1 1 2024, to decide what I want to do with my life, to know who Jessica is. And I'm going to go on and do that. And since January till June, I was honestly, uh, if I want to say 24 7, almost at home. 
just sitting by myself, mm. trying to to decide what do I want. Mm-hmm. I was sitting with myself thinking, okay, what do I like? What What is it that triggers me? And it wasn't until I went to uh, Al-Jalila Foundation, Majlis Al-Amal, the NGO I, uh, I go to here in the UAE, to whom I am beyond grateful for the experience and the family I found over there. And I was sitting with a group of ladies and I was, I remember crying my eyes out and I'm telling them I'm suicidal. I'm having these thoughts and these thoughts and I don't know who I am. And and they were looking at me and laughing and I was like, why are they laughing? Yeah, that's mean. Yeah, and they were, (laughs) no, they weren't like laughing, laughing. And they're like, you know, looking at me in a very smiley way. and, Mm. uh, And I was like, no, what's happening? They like, we're laughing because you think you're the only one who's going through this. Mm. And this is where it it hit me. Okay, what do you mean I'm, I'm not the only one? Yeah. And they're like, every cancer survivor reaches to a place where the support is gone. You're back to being a human being. Mm. That's it, you survived. So go live your life. But go live your life, what kind of life? If she was a mother before cancer... I know she's a mother now, but her role as a mother shifted 180 Mm. degrees. If you had a job and you were let go of that job, who are you? If you move to a whole new country, you know? So it it hit me over there and... It's like being reborn again. Yes. Like it's literally like, okay, I've gone through this. I'm at like a complete refresh in my life. And what now? You know, the sad thing is that when you reach this, it's... It's either a new chapter completely, it's a crossroad. So you have the option to go back to being exactly who you were and do exactly the same things that unfortunately may have caused you to reach this point. Or it's a wake-up call for many and it's, okay, here's a blank page. Go do whatever you want. Mm. And I believe that, and this is something that I learned in Bali, that... uh, and I believe you have it in the Indian culture as well, mm. that the universe sends you wake-up calls, messages. Yeah. Your unconscious mind is trying to take you to your true self, to your purpose in life. Yeah. And we get so used to the uh, hamster wheel. You wake up at 8, you go to work at 9, you finish work at 5, you get in the car, you feed the kids, you wash the house. You put the kids to bed, you wake up the second day. Mm. And when you get in this life cycle, you no longer see those messages that were sent your way. Mm -hmm. And this is why I say I'm very grateful for having cancer because it was a wake-up call for me to look at the messages that were being sent and that pushed me to do what I want to do in life and what I believe from the bottom of my heart is my purpose in this uh, lifetime. Mm. So you're saying that the identity you've created because of the fact that you got cancer and the fact that it made you have to create this new identity, you're grateful for cancer because it made you an identity that's and, uh, and gave you a life, which is, yeah, gave you a life that's more purposeful and more fulfilling So I do want to ask the question, if you're saying that you're grateful for cancer, which is such a (laughs) wild statement. Weird thing to say. Yeah. (laughs) And and I I see you like raising awareness for cancer. I see you, you know, being an oncology yoga practitioner. And your life is so fulfilling and purposeful now, which is because of the fact that you went through cancer. So, what was Jessica like before cancer? (laughs) Oh, my God. Because you said Uh, you were at a crossroads, right? And you created this whole (laughs) new chapter or go back to your old self. Yeah. And what was your identity before cancer? Uh, Okay. Uh, My identity before cancer was workaholic. And I had two extremes. Mm -hmm. My work was an extreme and my partying days were extreme. Like I was known in the family. I got yelled at 
every single day that this is a house, this is not a hotel. You don't come here for laundry and food and just leave. Mm. I used to wake up, go to work, finish my work, go home, change, get dressed, out, party all night and repeat. Mm. And it was very draining and I was prioritizing maybe the wrong lifestyle. I was prioritizing the wrong people, mm. friends over family and so on. So when I reached this crossroad, I was like, okay, working for somebody else before the old Jessica, not the family business. I used to work in uh, mm -hmm. interior design. So when I was working in interior design, I was, wasn't much passionate about it, but I'm a workaholic by nature. I'm a Capricorn. This is what we do. <laughs> we love to work. So mm. I used to work, 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 and then make enough money to party and then go back home. So it wasn't a mm. fulfilling life. Okay. When you put your head on the pillow at night, what have I done? What, yeah. have I, what am I leaving behind, if you want to think about it? There's no purpose in living that life. So when I reached this crossroad, I was like, okay, do I want to go back and party all night long? I can, but is this what I want to do? Do I want to keep working and wake up and sleep at the same time and do the same thing? Or do I want to feel what I felt when someone comes to me in the hospital when I was going through my treatment and they're like, I saw you on TV yesterday and mm. they cry and tell me thank you for the message. I needed to hear that. Wow. So these moments make you question like, okay, I'm doing something. I'm helping someone without even knowing. Mm. Like even sometimes people without cancer that are completely healthy uh, get in touch with me on Instagram and they're like, thank you. I needed to hear that. I needed to know that this chapter is gonna end soon whether it's a divorce whether it's a bad relationship whether it's a bad job that you want to quit keeping the mindset that it's life is a second yeah one thing i love is just this idea that you had this identity that you weren't able to kind of see where you were going wrong which is constantly working and partying yeah. which is not wrong all the time no. but it's not always the most fulfilling yes. or purposeful thing to do. And you were living this life for so long. And then something comes and it's a big wake-up call that makes you question the value of life and how you spend it. And you look at this event that you've gone through and you use everything that you've gone through as a sign or symbol or representation of the fact that something needs to change. And you used the experience to give you purpose to do something. And I think that's so beautiful that you can take such a difficult time in your life and use it as a way to grow as a person. And I think that's what happens in life a lot. Like I also went through this whole phase of drug addiction and everything in my life was not going, you know, the way I wanted to. The friends I had were not people that were people I should have been friends with or people that liked me for who I was, but they liked me for the value I would provide when we're doing things like going out, when we're doing things like getting drugs. And then this thing happens to you that's really horrible. And in the moment, it breaks your whole world and it, and it makes everything go upside down because you're because it's there for you to accept something that you're that's waiting for you. Yep. It's something that's, there's this beautiful life ahead that's just waiting for you, but you're struggling to let go of things you don't need and therefore everything you thought was important in your life, everything that you loved before, you're having to let go of it and realize that actually this is not something that I need. And most people find it really difficult to let go of that. Sure. But you had cancer that came into you to make you realize that this is something you need to let go of and you created this whole new identity. Um, we spoke a lot about this idea of mental identity, of, of how you portray your personality and things like that. But how about your physical identity? Because you talked about 
I think one thing that you've spoken about a lot is losing a part of you. Yeah. And from surgery and losing actual physical parts of you, like hair, like skin, to losing mental parts of you, how did losing hair impact you? Because I, I'm sure that, and I don't know if I'm like treading deep waters. I don't know if I should <laughs> say this, but say I mean, having long hair is such a big part of what it means to be a woman. Like, that's a huge part of your identity. And I don't know if men, for men, it's like having a, no, I don't know if it's like having a beard, but uh, it's not the same, is it? Yeah, it's almost. But it's, it's, it's a big yeah. part of your identity. And then having that being taken away from you, did it affect the way you experience femininity? Did it affect the way you look at beauty? Okay. Um, my my answer to that is going to be different from every girl you're ever going to hear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because uh, I grew up with my mom. It was my mom, my me, my sister, and my other sister. And we all had long curly hair when I was a child. Yeah. And my mom used to work and uh, teach and uh, come home to shower us. And showering for curly hair is a lot of work. Showering one is hell. So uh, one day she decided to cut all our hair when we were kids mm. and that was it. And as a child, I remember that I was like, oh, my hair, it's gone. You know, yeah. it, it was very important to me as a child. Like I'm a girl and I had a lot of people make fun of me when I was a child. Like, oh, you look like a boy. And I have pictures with, you know, many pins in my hair to try mm. to uh, maintain it. But then I grew up in life and my mom kept that hairstyle from ever since I was a baby till now. So looking at my mom with no hair all my life was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to reach an age where I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to do that again. Mm. And I was always waiting for that occasion. Like, when am I going to cut my hair? And many times when, after breakups, mostly, every girl does that. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, dye the yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dye your hair, cut your hair, do something to your hair. Listen I don't know yeah, why. Yeah. And I went to my hairdresser many times where I was like, you know what? Cut it off. And mm. they would say no. And they wouldn't let me. But then, uh, and this is, I believe, one of the things that helped me through cancer. And I'm going to talk about this. Accepting that I have cancer was accepting that I'm doing stuff that I always wanted to do, but I had no balls to do it. Mm. So cutting my hair, okay, I used to go, but maybe if I saw him touch my hair, I would freak out and wouldn't let him go through yeah. with it. But when I had cancer, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do it now. So the first thing I did, literally, my mom landed in Beirut airport and we drove directly to my hairdresser wow. where he had a videographer waiting and wow. we took the video where I was like okay uh, this is something I always wanted to do I won't let my hair fall because of cancer I won't let cancer take away my hair yeah. I wanted to take control and this is what I tell every single woman that cuts it short and then watches it fall watching it fall is traumatizing for sure yeah it's honestly very traumatizing yeah. so the first thing i did was shave it completely and that's it so you have this sense of control where you feel like okay mm. it didn't fall because of chemotherapy i cut it and this is where you teach your brain that you're in control for mm. me it's like a symbol that yeah, like it, i'm not gonna let this take control of my life i'm gonna still have my control over it yeah even wow. for yeah, for me, it was it was feminine because it was very sexy. It was bold. It was it was an ex amazing experience. Mm. And throughout the whole treatment, I went to the hospital without anything on my head. I even though I took my own hair and I did a wig, the minute I put it on, it felt unnatural. It felt like I'm sick. You know, so I couldn't put it. Mm. It's still hanging behind my door in wow, my old okay. house. Never touched it. Yeah. And it made me, I don't know why, looking at people look at me in a, she doesn't have hair or she doesn't have eyebrows or, you know, everything goes. Mm. It's on my passport. It's the funniest picture ever. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, 
when people look Traveling at you, must be hard now. Oh my god. <laughs> They're like, wait, is this you? Do you have a oh fake passport? God. You should well, see, see you come look. from Lebanon. No, no, their look because it's <laughs> someone without eyebrows, without anything. And they look at you and they want to ask you the question, but they don't want to ask you because yeah. it's cancer. And you see them looking at the passport and looking at you. And every time I reach the passport control, I'm like, <laughs> it's happening. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. Oh. So um, it made me feel empowered. It made me feel like if I show other women that it's okay to lose your hair, it's, I used to put on makeup, red lipstick. I have so many pictures, bold with red lipstick. It mm. made me feel even maybe sexier than actually having hair, more feminine than actually having, having hair, hair because it's... Um, it's the way you look at yourself. It's not the way that the world looks at you. Mm. That's important. So if you dress up in the morning and you feel like, damn, this is going to be a good day. I look good. I feel good. You're going to feel good. This yeah. I'm having a bit of trouble with my braids. <laughs> like, okay, I have a podcast called The Monk with Braids Podcast. Yeah. But like... You're not allowed to cut them. <laughs> <laughs> now, no. I made a commitment. But I, to some extent, did want to cut my braids for a while. But I was like, I can't. It's like what makes me who I am. Yeah. And if I didn't cut it, like, I don't think I would be me. And so I'm just, the reason why I asked you that question, for men, actually asked you for many reasons, but yeah. a big part of it was because I'm having so much time. I'm having so much difficulty detaching my soul and mind from this physical body yeah. that I have. <laughs> Right, and I think this physical body represents. We tried our best to make our physical, material body and what we wear and everything that we hold so dearly to us. This material aspect, we we try to make it define who we are inside, but actually, who we are inside is none of these things. And so, these braids technically are not a part of who I am. They're just who I present to the outside world, and how I. Yeah, how I represent like what's inside. But when you're losing or not losing, when you're disconnecting and letting go of skin from your body, of hair, of identity, of all this material part, you're like disconnecting from this material body, which is such a big part that we hold so dearly. We're so attached to it. But when you're when you're not when you're what's the opposite of attachment? Disattachment, non-attachment? I'm going to make up a word, disattachment. <laughs> when you're like disattaching yourself from this physical body, okay. did it connect you to your soul in any way? In a way, yeah, if you want to think about it this way, because... Yeah. It, first, I can't believe I just said disattaching, but yeah, yeah. I know that's wrong. <laughs> so yeah. Detachment. detachment. That's the one. Thank, Thank you. you to our <laughs> podcast manager, Yasmin. <laughs> When you're deta should I do it all again? <laughs> no, nah, you know what? I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it. Uh, let's, uh, I have faults as well. I'm human. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first, to address your braids. Yeah. It depends on you. Like even after cancer, I grew my hair back. Yeah. I told you I was testing it. I grew it. I painted it uh, blonde. I platinum. I on February last year I decided to go bold all all together back. Mm. So. You do struggle with it. There is an attachment be between your physical and your inner self. Mm. But uh, losing that and losing part of my body does make you look deeper. Because sometimes you do realize that, okay, this is just a physical body. Yeah. I, there's a Jessica deep inside that's... Yeah. Jessica isn't just long hair. Exactly. Or... So, whatever else yeah yeah it's your identity right now might be the braids for what you are doing but yeah. maybe down the road you will be like you know what i'm i'm not the braids anymore i'm please don't cut them and blame me <laughs> <laughs> i'm scared of that statement i can't because it's like how can i be the monk with braids if i am a monk without braids you, like, will, I can't, you will need a yeah. new identity it's fine it's fine it's okay i'll live it is it makes me it made me look deeper into myself because after after cancer, uh, before cancer, if you'd go into my bathroom, it used to be hair products, uh, one hour and a half shower to dry the hair and do this. And I was so it wasn't like it wasn't something where 
you're just like okay i'm a girl and i have hair so i take care of it it's like no i love oh, my I hair i love my hair oh so it was I like loved my hair. it was like a big part of who you are okay it was. i okay got it sorry long yeah long curly hair that used to get me compliments wherever i go and okay big part of my identity wow okay like if you'd walk into a room you can identify me from anywhere and this is how people used to know that i'm there at the place like oh my god they okay. see her oh jessica's there yeah so so, w- so i mean for any girl it's difficult i'm sure but yeah. like for you it was really difficult it was, it was hard yeah because it was a very dear part of my personality i want to ask really quickly like we're talking yeah. a lot about identity and we're talking about like a lot about physical identity, mm, mm, how you see yourself, your personality. Like, what do you think identity actually is then? If it's not your physical body, because you like Jessica was when you think of Jessica before cancer, yeah. before you cut your hair, you were like long hair was a part of your identity. And you're like, that's who I am. Yeah. Who's Jessica? I'm a girl with long hair. OK, now you don't have long hair. So it's like. But but there is still someone there, right? So who is that person? What what is what is identity to you then? I believe that deep down it's what it's whatever you want to be. As okay. I told you, it's maybe back then Jessica was the curly haired Jessica that uh, I used to ride bikes, so I was a biker. So the biker with the curly hair. Uh, during cancer, I was the fighter. Now I am the yoga teacher. Uh, all throughout this i think that deep down at the bottom layer there's the characters that we have like i'm a bold person Mm. i'm i love life i am aggressive when it comes to the things that i love i'm protective Mm. it's those things that stay and you can cover them however you'd like it's it's christmas tree ornaments yeah at the end you're the tree and you can just design it however you want yeah one thing i've really been trying to do like to the best of my ability is being able to disconnect from my mind like at first i thought you have your brain and then you have your mind and that's it your mind is your soul but you have your brain which is the physical aspect of you that tells the body what to do then you have your mind which is kind of like this internal dialogue that's speaking all the time and then there's something behind that and that's that consciousness that and I think it's all of, that's what it's about. I think it's about connecting to that part of you. Reaching deep down into who you truly are. You, you should know that better than me. It's no. in the... I do. Indian, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, you should. No. It is in the Indian culture, and we studied this in, in yoga, basically, that you have layers to the human being. At the whole center, there is this consciousness mind that you are Mm. on top of it you have the unconsciousness all of that the mind the physical the emotional layer so you have so many layers that you have to go through to actually know who you are and reach enlightenment eventually but to do that you have to disconnect from so many things like to disconnect from your physical body is gonna take a lot of work for you to accept like okay this is who I am. I no longer care what my hair looks like. I wake up, I put my uh, headband on, and I'm out. I used to be the full makeup kind of girl. Now I'm just mm. out of the door in two seconds. Uh, I used to care what I wear, how I wear. I'm just, to me now, clothes are just something you need to Yeah, to get on. Life. That's it. To not go in jail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or yeah. deported. Yeah. <laughs> So okay. it depends on, this is the physical. The mental is when you meditate and just yeah. disconnect from the thoughts that you are, the, the monkey brain. Yeah. So you have so many layers that eventually go down to who you are. So it is a process. I'm not even close. I'm four years into, uh, four is a bit of a stretch. I'm like three and a half years or so into meditation and journaling. And it's still a working progress every day. Like, I don't yeah. think you ever figure it out. In every couple of years, you have like a, who am I? What am I doing? And I think that's important. It is. I think it's so important to be able to do that and have awareness because I know what it's like living a life where I don't do that. and I'm just going about my day. So you have to have awareness to it. Um, so what do you think your purpose is now? 
Mm. My purpose. The world is your oyster at this point, I yeah. feel like. There's so many things you can do. Like, what do you feel like is your purpose now? Now, honestly, after the depression on New Year and then what happened in, uh, in Al Majlis and the talk with the girls, I discovered that there are not so many people who are talking about mental health after cancer. I discovered that there is no help for cancer patients after uh, mm. cancer. There is uh, no awareness to what needs to be done. And um, everyone who donates their time, somehow, if you want, uh, to help cancer patients are uh, people who don't know what it's like to go through something like this. And it led me to yoga. Personally, I needed it to disconnect my brain and it was it worked I felt like okay what happened the monkey brain was mm. shut down I was in that moment now and this is what yoga is about that's the biggest gift right yes being present oh. not thinking about the past not thinking about the future no, just living here yeah now yeah and when I experienced this it hit me like okay I had cancer and I talked about it I helped other people uh, maybe the reason I went through depression, maybe the reason I was suicidal, maybe the reason I had physical issues after the surgery was for me to understand what it's like to go through this journey so I can teach this to other people. And this is what I did. I packed my bags, went to Bali, studied yoga, came back home. I'm studying in the process of studying two certificates of specifically oncology for yoga cancer uh, two certificates at one time yes that's so extra why two uh, I believe that there's always uh, many mentalities and different schools oh okay and I found it interesting because I had no idea how oncology yoga can be, can be different from yoga and apparently it's small words and things okay it is the physical part like if you cannot lift your arms, you need to support it. You need to do stuff like that. At mm. the same time, it's the words that we as teachers need to say. Like Oh, some words could be oh, triggering, right? Like very, let go or something yes. like that. Surrender. Never say surrender. You cannot say it. Wow. The brain oh can take it as in surrender, give up the fight. And just surrender to this is your fate. Surrender to it. Wow. Because these be are such big words in yoga. Let yes. go. Surrender. surrender. Uh, believe it or not, sometimes just breathe can be a trigger because oh, people shit. all around you, sometimes when they look at you and they're like, are you okay? Just breathe. It can trigger your anxiety sometimes yeah. more. And it's uh, Pose's name, for example. We have the corpse, you know, when you lay in Shavasana at the end and you're not allowed to say corpse. Ah, cor the corpse pose? Yeah. Yeah, so you can't, wow. Never. We call it sunset, for example. Sunset. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's, okay. You see, it portrays a different image in your head. So going yeah. to sunset pose yeah. is different than lay in corpse. Actually, pose. now that I think of it, calling a pose in yoga <laughs> corpse <laughs> pose is so freaking wild. Why would you yeah. do that? Thank you. Because <laughs> I, you know what, I never thought about it before. Why the hell would you call a pose where you're there? You're still there. You're yeah. still alive. Thank you. A corpse pose. Maybe I think it's connected to Damn. the fact that you're having this out-of-body experience and you're... I know, but no, corp yeah. like, we got to change that. Corpses. Yeah, you got to go to the depths yeah. of Sunset. India Sunset. to change that. <laughs> okay, and, but I mean, just breathe. Like, th that's like an important thing in yoga. I've heard it. Yeah. I've been to yoga 23 years of life. I've been to yoga maybe three times. I know, but I've done it at home a bunch. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm speaking with a professional now, so I feel a bit more... No, I'm not a professional. Nervous. Right? We keep on learning. Two certificates? That's professional. Uh, I'm still in the process, in the okay. process. <laughs> okay. So that's the next thing you're going to learn how to do. Yeah. You're going to learn how to be a better oncology yoga practitioner. I Somehow, I feel like um, Lebanon right now is in a very tragic state when it comes to finding medication for cancer patients and yeah. so on. Shout and out to Lebanon. Yeah. I believe that hearing you have cancer is one thing. Ha being financially unable to medicate yourself is another. Yeah. And not finding medication is a whole new level of dealing with it. 
So I see that people in Lebanon maybe need me more. That's so um, that's that's actually really sad. It's it is, but I feel like if I can give my time now and focus on helping cancer patients in the NGO that helped me when I was going through cancer. Uh, we're already working on a center where we can have a wow. fitness studio where I can be taken care of. That's yoga amazing. All the time. Honestly, people. the fact that you have to find out that you have cancer and deal with it, that's tough enough. Like you think like life has given me the worst and now it's like really tough. But to then have so many battles dealing with it as well, like with medicine and stuff, like yeah, there should be more awareness about it. I don't think there's enough. So I'm so happy you're in the position you're in i'm so happy you're doing all of this because i do think there needs to be more awareness and i need personally definitely more awareness because it seems to be something that i see a lot like people developing it and people having i don't know why recently i've seen it a little bit more but it does seem to be a little bit more now so i think yeah. it's it's the lifestyle it's the environmental issues it's stress by itself is a big our, one yeah it's a big one. Actually, in India, we believe stress is the cause of like most illnesses. It's your emotions so compressed and stuck in your body, not going anywhere. So it's going to show up heart disease, heartburn, liver. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, real quick, before we end, because I know we probably have gone for a little bit yes. longer. <laughs> for about so. an hour. <laughs> Does it mean, do you have any questions? Okay, yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> I think we covered it. We didn't like, leave anything for her. We did yeah. cover a lot. Um, and my favorite part's talking about identity. But okay, before we end, I do want to ask you, and before you give me a, before you plug yourself and all of that, do you have like a final message, conclusion, some mantra you live by? Like, <laughs> uh, it's not. Uh it's more of a an awareness kind of message because I believe that the more we talk about it, the more it can reach people, I hope. One is cancer does not discriminate. It can affect anyone and unfortunately most of the people that we know. Mm. Uh, one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer. Knowing your own body is very important. One in eight? Yes. Wow. It's a calculation from zero to eight years old. One in eight women will get breast cancer. Oh, That's my God. a huge number. But fortunately, now in 2023, the survivor rate is very high because girls now know what to look for. Yeah. Le before, before, like way before. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, you, people, a woman used to find it very late and it was metastatic and it was ending yeah. lives. Yeah, but yeah. now... Um, take me for an example. If I hadn't found it, when I found it, I wouldn't be here today. Mm. It was uh, aggressive, fast spreading. So if I neglected what I found or didn't know how to do a self-check exam, I wouldn't be here today. So knowing ever since you turn 18 as a woman, you should know what your body feels like. There's so many videos on YouTube on how to do a self-check exam. There is no way uh, for you to fear what you are doing or what you will discover the sooner you discover it if unfortunately you discover it the better your treatment plan mm. the more you can keep your body image the less intrusive the surgery is the treatment is sometimes when you find it early it's just radiation and you're out no need for chemo mm. so keeping that in mind knowing that your survival rate is higher when you find it early is very important to to everyone who has unfortunately gone through this chapter and is fighting mental health issues, I urge you to talk about it. Find someone who can listen to you, doesn't judge you, uh, talk to a specialist. And in Dubai, there's a place where you can go? Yes, we go as women, we go to a place called Majlis Al-Amal under Al-Jalila Foundation. Okay. But I think that Al-Jalila Foundation has a place for men as well. Okay, sure. great. Those are the two things. There's another yes, one. Yes, there's another one. Yeah, Men get breast cancer too. And ah, unfortunately, yeah. it's a higher risk for them to die because they don't have the culture of doing a self-check exam. So yeah. once a man finds it, it means it's already spread somewhere else. So yeah. it's very important. Men are just men. unreliable, man. 
They're not we don't care. Do it. That's the reason you guys live longer. Men just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Every time I talk about this, the men look at me like, we're gonna die. <laughs> this is it. I at accept some my point. fate. Yeah. It's like people telling me to use sunscreen and like to go to a doctor <laughs> when I'm sick. It's like, yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, no. This is a completely different thing. Yes. 100% please. And the two, I know two things. Like, I know is my very limited understanding of checking up when you have cancer. I know lumps is one and I s- n- difference in color different in of, color of skin uh infection coming out of the nipples yeah. uh, a dent even in the breast okay. any any change pain sometimes I don't know if this is too medical or not but uh sometimes pain is your friend because it's called the mm. uh uh, what do you call the secret uh, disease? Because okay. you don't feel it. Yeah. So if you feel pain, it sometimes means that there's nothing. Because cancer is... Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. I don't know the word in English. It's habis uh, in Arabic. And like it sneaks up on you. Is mean yeah. is Egyptian. What does habis mean? <laughs> okay, she doesn't know. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, I will Google Translate that word. What's it? Chabis? Wait. If you're gonna... That's why we... Yeah. How long? Oh my God, it's 5.30. <gasps> Sorry, Yasmin. There's someone waiting? No. Oh, good. Chabis. <laughs> In English. Malignant. Malignant, yeah. okay. So it's cancer is called malignant because it's it sneaks up uh, on you. So when you feel pain, it means that it can not beat cancer. Yeah. So, but go get it checked. No matter what, it could be something that needs uh, a minimal surgery and it will be gone. No need to live with pain. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really, really, really appreciate you and the journey you've gone through. And I'm so grateful that after going through all of this journey, you've been able to learn all of this and more so to be able to spread awareness about it on my podcast. Um, Where can people find you? What are things that you're doing right now that you want people to know about? Uh, I'm doing uh, yoga classes for whoever is interested. For cancer patients, of course, whenever you want to talk about it, I'm always available on Instagram. I yeah. reply to all the messages. You got to look at the camera to speak to the people. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Go okay. I am available on Instagram. I reply to all the messages whenever someone needs to talk or have a question about what's happening or the fears that they are going through Mm. i always give my honest opinion and i can guide them to go to a specialist whenever needed if Mm -hmm. i cannot help because i'm not a doctor at the end of the day yeah but if it's something i went through that i can help with or if it's a mental issue that i can help with i'm i'm there you can have a yoga session we can just sit and talk could be anything yeah Anything else you want to plug? You can put my Instagram account. Instagram account. (laughs) Insert Instagram account. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much. Again, I'm your host, The Monk with Braids. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Please text Jessica on Instagram if you have any questions. Also, thank her for being on this episode. And stay tuned for the next one. For the YouTube, oh my god, I I would usually never do this, but like, comment, and subscribe. (laughs) Smash that notification bar and whatever else YouTubers say. Great, thank you so much again. Thank you. That was very long. (laughs) Did you enjoy it? We could have spoken forever. Yeah, it was beautiful. I thought at some point I was like, okay, at some point I was like, now at some point this has to end. Because I was like, we we could just keep speaking. (laughs)